Hi everyone, and thanks for tuning into Beats Research Radio, a podcast and YouTube channel dedicated to bringing our community closer to research in the science and engineering fields. My name is Shafiq Algarbi, and my name is Rachel Friesen. And we're students from the Translational and Molecular Medicine program at the University of Ottawa, and we'll be your host on today's special podcast episode for the Science Communication course. Now, when you start trying to solve a problem, particularly a problem that impacts society, where you really need to make a difference, one key approach would be collaboration, a very extensive form of collaboration. Now, in today's world of diseases, specifically diseases that are starting to become problematic in many societies, is a condition known as sepsis. What is sepsis? Well, sepsis is an organ failure that can follow after infection. It is life-threatening, and this condition actually accounts for one-fifth of all deaths worldwide. So it's a major issue. According to the Global Sepsis Alliance in the year 2020, it has been estimated that sepsis affects between 47 and 50 million people every year, and at least 11 million of these patients end up dead. There have been decades of research on this problem, but no standard therapies have yet been adopted into clinical practice to treat sepsis. So this is one reason that researchers in Canada are coming together to address this problem, collaborating in their research to make a difference. Now, sepsis research and other research studying cures for disease all has two main stages of research, preclinical research and clinical research. Shafiq, could you explain some more about this distinction? Of course. Now, some researchers study the disease and its cure in a lab, far away from patients in mice and rats. Now, of course, this is known as the preclinical stage, and most preclinical researchers studying disease do it in their own small personal laboratories without any collaboration with other laboratories. Now, on the other hand, in clinical research, where, where researchers study the effect of drugs on actual patients, not just animal models, collaboration between multiple research centers, even worldwide, is very, very common. Now, this begs the question, Rachel, why? Well, to explore this whole topic some more, we've turned to Dr. Manoj Lalu, Assistant Professor of Anesthesiology and Pain Medicine of the Ottawa Hospital Research Institute and the leader of the Blueprint Translational Research Group. He is with us here today to tell us more about the first Canadian multi-center study that is being done in the preclinical basic science stage. Now, we started our conversation with Dr. Lalu by first asking him more about his research. And Dr. Lalu has kindly come today to talk about what it is and describe what has been done. Over to you, Dr. Lalu. So for our program, what we're really interested in is uh, what we call multi-laboratory. So it's, it's very similar to, you know, it's just a different term, I guess, to multi-centric. But basically what it means is that multiple laboratories work together on the exact same protocol so uh, my lab will do an experiment uh, and another three labs will do the exact same experiment, uh, usually around the same time. And then we actually combine all the results together. Uh, so we have a much larger experiment. At this time, preclinical single lab studies are the norm and most published papers are from single labs. Can you believe that, Rachel? So what is preventing preclinical multi-lab studies from being the norm in Canada? 
Yeah, so I think uh, a few barriers exist. And I, I don't think they're specific to Canada. We see the same sort of barriers because we've looked internationally at these studies as well too. And you know who is conducting them and who, like what types of multi-laboratory studies have been done. And uh, you know, I think uh, first of all, a barrier I already spoke to very briefly is funding, right? So these are very very expensive studies. Uh, so I think that is um, certainly been a barrier in Canada. We've been lucky enough to have funding from Sepsis Canada, which is funded by the Canadian Institutes of Health Research. And we also received some funding from uh, another national body, so the New Frontiers and Research Fund. So, um, and, you know, they've funded it, recognizing that this is, a, you know, a very sort of cutting edge in terms of the approach. And, uh, you know, there are still a lot of barriers that need to be overcome. So uh, they realize that, you know, this is sort of first tracks in this sort of area. So funding is definitely one of the challenges. Uh, another challenge I'd say, which just more broadly speaking to the scientific preclinical scientific community uh, is a better understanding, right, of why they're important or why these could be important. So people uh, who have been trained in laboratory research uh, don't necessarily think about these sort of multi-centric or multi-laboratory approaches. So uh, I think it's really important that, um, you know, more people become aware of what these studies are and some of the advantages that they hold. And a part of it is it's, it's a bit of an easy sell in some ways because it's been so successful in clinical research, right? So um, I think now it's time to actually transfer that into the preclinical world or the bench research world. A multi-lab approach is unique and not yet widely adopted, so we wanted to know some more about what might drive future preclinical research to adopt this approach, as well as some advantages that can benefit all the teams involved. Here are Dr. Lelou's thoughts on that. Uh, first of all, you know, as you probably are aware, when you look in the scientific literature and lab studies, your usual sample sizes, you know, typically you'll see 10 to 20 uh, as a sample size, which is, which is fairly small. Uh, but you can imagine that when you put four labs together, all of a sudden, even if we only do 10 to 20, your sample size could be up to 80. So you have a much better, better powered study and you can do a lot more robust analyses around these uh, studies as well, too. Um, and then also it speaks to generalizability as well, too, right? So, you know, if I could get uh, a certain type of result in my lab and the other three labs are able to do uh, or attain the same sort of results, well, that's great. That means that our findings might be generalizable beyond, you know, just one laboratory as well, too. So I think, uh, you know, one of the pros, uh, which is also a con when you think about it, is that you have lots of different people getting together, right? Uh, and they put their thoughts together. So the pro is that, okay, you've got lots of different people with different expertise uh, who can lend that expertise to this, you know, what can become a very large project. Uh, on the flip side, all of a sudden, you know, the one lead investigator in a lab who's used to making all the final decisions has to share all those decisions, right, amongst a, a larger group of people. So, um, so that, you know, that's both a pro and a con there in some ways. We always learn as we go, and sometimes in a research study, we discover unexpected things. Here is one of Dr. Lalu's unexpected findings in his research. Yeah, I mean, one thing that uh, was uh, eye-opening, well, maybe not eye-opening, one thing that was great, I would say, actually, for uh, our multi-laboratory approach in sepsis uh, has been to have all these sort of diverse views being heard. So at our meetings that I uh, mentioned, you know, occur monthly, 
it's not only the investigators that are there, right? It's also trainees that are there, the technicians that are there as well, too. And as I mentioned, sometimes even the veterinarians of the different uh, centers as well, too. So, um, you know, I, I think that's been really great to have these sort of diverse views uh, being heard. And everyone has a voice and everyone uh, knows that they can speak up as well, too. So um, I think in a single laboratory environment, um, I think uh, those people that are leading the lab, so the principal investigators or the lead investigators, um, perhaps one thing that uh, you could take away from that is that, you know, create a space where people are uh, able to speak up in your laboratory and share their views and, and maybe even invite other people into your laboratory uh, meetings, for instance, right, that uh, are from outside your lab as well, too. And uh, could provide some input on your experiments, et cetera, right? So I, I think those are perhaps some things that people could pick up from what we're doing right now in a multi-laboratory space, but apply it to their single laboratory. Now, as you may know, every coin has two sides. Similarly, a multi-lab approach will have benefits, but have some drawbacks too. We asked Dr. Laloux's thoughts on challenges that may hinder multicentric research. There are actually some published examples of multi-laboratory studies where, you know, people could not get on the same page. Uh, so they, they, you know, they weren't able to uh, sort of harmonize their protocol. So everyone's doing the same sort of experiment between laboratories. Um, and then there were strong personalities in some, it seemed like. So that made it difficult as well, too, uh, for the sort of collaboration and harmonization between different laboratories as you're running this experiment. So, um, you know, luckily we haven't really run into those issues, but that's certainly, uh, you know, these issues around communication and collaboration uh, have prevented some previous multi-laboratory studies from being successful. And also, lastly, we asked what recommendations he would like to provide to other researchers and what we can implement. I think, you know, multi-centric or multi-laboratory research is sort of one uh, extreme end of that spectrum of collaboration, right? So um, I think, you know, before we even get to that point, I think there's lots of things that different laboratories can do uh, to improve collaboration and improve communication between labs. So I think this whole movement towards open science is very important uh, towards that goal. And, uh, you know, for instance, posting your protocols online so other people could actually replicate it. Um, you know, posting details that in a published study, right? Because often in your method section, there's very limited amounts of space that you can uh, actually use, right? And that makes it very difficult for, you know, another lab to pick up that paper and actually try to replicate it, right? So that's why I think it's so important that we start to, you know, publish our protocols in different ways so other people could actually replicate uh, what was actually being done. Thank you so much for joining us today. On behalf of our director, Dr. Emilio Alarcon, and the whole Beats Research Radio team, we thank you all for tuning in. Beats Radio is supported by the University of Ottawa Heart Institute, the Beats Laboratory, and the Department of Biochemistry, Microbiology, and Immunology at the University of Ottawa. Don't forget to follow our Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube platforms to stay in the loop of our latest uploads. Wishing everyone good health. See you all next week.